All right. Welcome in. It is a Tuesday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin, inviting you to join us in the huddle on our EBOMD huddle hotline. Here's the number, 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline powered by EBOMD. Jess Bolin in the house. A little chilly out there this morning, Jess? No, not bad. Not I bad? mean, you know, this time of year, anytime it's going to be in the 50s. Mornings can't be too bad. But uh, sun shining brightly. I leave from St. Jen at 4, so it's always yeah. chillier. The coldest time of the me. day. For yeah, me, yeah. you know, I don't go back outside until after the show's over, so I, I don't know how much it's warmed well, it up. Well, it'll take long for that sun to be shining. The temperature's going to go up. I don't care how bad it is. It, or it, it can seem like it's better, even if it's... 10 degrees, you know, the sunshine or overcast like it was yesterday. It makes a difference, really. It's a sun it makes out. a difference in your attitude. When's the last time we had sunshine? It seems like it's been forever. I don't know. It's out there today. Good. You're going to see a good shot of it when you walk out the door. That's good news. Very good news. We got some sunshine. And uh, I don't know uh, how many of our <laughs> listeners uh, stayed up late to watch the Blues in Vegas last night. If the Blues. If you did not, this is how it ended. Now Butch Davis at the line. Beats one golden knight. Tough angle. Waiting. Now off the wing is Thomas. Settles it. Robert Thomas to Butch Davis. Wide open in front. Shoots. He scores! Butch Davis wins it! And good night, Irene! The Blues win it overtime. 2-1 on a goal by Butch Davis. So good night, you got good night, Irene. You know what? That's a see. That's an old song. And you shouldn't do that. You know, unless you're. Uh, it's just like if you say other words, it's going to dictate uh, what people think of your age. Like uh, kiddo, uh, I'm stewing. You know, <laughs> in other words, I'm still mad. Uh, those kind of words will make people say, "Oh, oh, I know well, he's got to be old." <laughs> But last night, good night, Irene. That was an old '78, uh, one of those breakable records. I think <laughs> a breakable record. Well, it was, you know, one of those old great big records about bigs of basketball. The th- the, the thirty three speed. Yeah, yeah. The um, al- albums. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any so, like that. Uh, mine's plastic. You got the old forty fives. Yeah, but uh, those old. 33s. Now they refer to them as vinyl. The, <coughs> yeah, kid, the yeah. kids, these that it's it's come back. I mean, my daughter Chloe, she's got a bunch of records that I bought. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people that's never had the opportunity to listen to some of that music way back, Bean Crosby, some of those singers, um, they have a tendency to like them. Well, just like everybody else did back in the day, you know. I think Bean Crosby probably had the smoothest voice. Of any singer I ever heard, you know, and even better, even smoother than Jimmy Durante. Oh God! <laughs> well, I think if you check it out, "White Christmas" by Bing Crosby might it's be the, one num- of the, the number most, one seller. One of the most played songs yeah. of all time. I think it's number one seller ever, and I could be wrong, which I am half the time at least. Well, I think I'm wrong more than half the time, but it's not from a lack of effort. I try. So if you're watching the game, you got Goodnight Irene, and then of course, if you were listening to the game, you got Chris Kerber and you got Bring Out the Zamboni. So you got uh you've got stocked play by play lines either way you go. Yeah. 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 And that, I don't know what they said on, <coughs> Ve- I don't think on Vegas Vegas radio. The game not over till the fat lady sings. I don't know if anybody uses that one anymore. That one would be offensive, I think, don't you? So you gotta. Yeah, kinda, somebody would be outraged. Some, yeah, you you kind of got to go. It, with would, the it would likely be fake outrage, but yeah. you know, yeah, you yeah. gotta. Was well, those people cave peoples? Yeah, yeah, cave citizens people. Very, very, very. Citizens against, against virtually anything. Virtually everything. Yeah, yeah, cave people. Yeah. 
So not Kava. Good win uh, for the Blues. They're three and, games over five hundred, I think, and that's not going to get it. I mean, you're going to be a li- have to be a little better than that. I'd say eight or ten games over five hundred to win, and then a few of the overtime losses, which means that you get a point because you win overtime. You know, to be able to make the playoffs. I don't know. When the last time I saw Jordan Bennington play as well as he did last night, he he's had a couple was games. Yeah. phenomenal. He's had two or three games like that this year. Cause I mean, I've this this him, against the Stanley Cup champions on their ice. Yeah, it, it's um, it, the hope the game looked like it might be a one to nothing game because it sailed right into the third period, one to nothing, and I don't remember what the time was when they got they got a power play goal. I don't remember, but I watched the game, and you're right. Bennington was stellar in this game. So in the first period, Alexei Torpchenko scored. They really like him, Eric. And, and they, they, he, they scored first, Jess. That means, okay, they have 13 wins. They're 13-10-1. They are twelve and zero when they score, score first. first. Yes, I knew. I didn't know what the number was, but I knew they haven't lost this year when they score the first goal. So, well, Tarp Chinkle is a guy that the Blues really, really like. He's a young kid, about gosh, he, I don't know, maybe six six, and they really like him. He's not afraid of hits. He gets in there in front of the goal. I mean, he's he could be the real deal. Might be the best young player they've got. On a regular basis, they are going to have to have some of their stars step forward because Bennington can't well, do Kyrou's it. Well, Kyrou's a little behind on his scoring, but they've got increased scoring from some other people. You know, so it, it kind of levels out. But Kyrou's got to get hot for the Blues to put on a streak. And Blues are capable. I don't know how many games in a row they could, you know, you never know about that. But they're capable of having a streak of 8 out of 10, you know, that, something like that. Because they've got a good hockey team. It's just that where, you know, I talk about this all the time. What kind of team are you? And I used to ask myself that. You know, with the Caps, you know, what kind of team do I have here? Do I have speed and defense, pitching? Or is it going to be power? You know, you just don't know until you get into the season and see what you got. Now, now there's a little bit of a pleasant surprise when I talk about guys scoring more goals, like with Jake Neighbors. There's a kid that's... You know, I think he's leading score on the Blues. With eight, or, eight or nine, I think he might have nine. Bushnevich has nine. He's the leading scorer. Yeah, well, Neighbors got eight then because Bushnevich just caught him because Neighbors was the leading scorer. But he hasn't got a goal. Well, he's he's tied with Bushnevich. They each have nine. Robert yeah. Thomas. He's the guy that scored while his dad was being interviewed the other night. <laughs> dad being interviewed, Neighbors got a goal. Thomas and Shen have eight. Yeah. So they need somebody to break loose, and Kairou is the guy. He's their best scorer, really. When the season's over, he should be the guy that leads. But he hasn't so far. He's taken his shots. His percentage of goals on his shots is down this year. In other words, it may not be the best shot. You know, he, he may be throwing it to, to the net, which I like. You know I do. I like that. Shoot it to the net, take the rebound. I think there's more goals scored off rebounds than there is on shots. But the Blues' power play needs to get better. And some of their stars. Bushnavis now is capable of leading this team. He got 30-some-odd goals last year. So he's not, you know, he's capable of being your best scorer. Vegas 9-2-2 two and two at home, so they're really good After that home. game? Yes. So they hadn't lost but one game at home. Yeah, for some reason, the Blues play them really good, you know. Um, I think the last game they played them, they might have lost, but it, it, it is about one goal. I, I mean, you can make an argument 
that Vegas is the best team in hockey down. They've got 37 points. So do the Rangers and so do the Bruins in the East. But Vegas, and they come to St. Louis tomorrow. So you're going to get an angry Vegas. What you're looking for with the Blues is keep it going. Because they go out on their West Coast road trip, win two in a row, then come home and get smoked by Nashville eight to three. Yeah, so, Nashville they don't play very well against Nashville. I don't know why. I don't either, but they don't. And you know, you've got that matchup in big league baseball and every sport that some teams they should win, but they don't match up well for some reason. Remember that long streak the Baltimore Orioles finally snapped at yeah. Tampa? They yeah. just couldn't beat the Rays in Tampa. <clears throat> couldn't do it. The Cardinals when he won 17th straight. And when the broadcaster pointed it out, he got suspended. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> so, uh, you Again, get... you know, when you say something that you shouldn't nowadays, you have to pay a steep price for it. That's why I was saying to you. The game's not over till the fat lady's saying, that's not a good statement, so I'll say it again. That way I'm bound to get some text messages and emails. No offense, folks. No offense, ladies. But I'm just quoting that somebody used to say that a lot. Any idea who coined that phrase? No, I do not. I think that the woman well, they were referring to, maybe not you know, they didn't want to be known this way, but it's Kate um, Smith. Yeah. Don't you? I think that's kind of where they were pointing that finger at. But uh, I don't re- no, I don't th- know that I ever knew who coined that phrase. According to this, and of course, everything is accurate on the internet we we will we will certainly agree to that right all right here's what i've got the correct expression is that the opera ain't over till the fat lady sings it is said this expression was first used by a sports writer dan cook writing for the San Antonio News Express right around the year 1976. It ain't over till the fat lady sings, referring well, to the opera. something similar to that to a specific guy once. Um, Jeff Lottie. Do you remember him? Yes. He pitched for the Cardinals. Well, Jeff Lottie was a personal friend of mine, and we ate dinner together at Joey O'Brien's in St. Louis and stuff. And he had a great sense of humor. But he was a relief pitcher for the Cardinals. had no wins. He had no wins. And we he'd always throw me some jibes about the Kappa Halls. Do you think they could play with us? And I said, sure. I said, we could play. Couldn't win, probably, you know. But we could, you know, we could play you a game and, and do okay. And <laughs> so he would just kept shooting remarks at me, you know, and everything. But. Jeff Lottie was in line for a victory. He was going to be the winning pitcher if Bruce Suter could get him out in the ninth. So it was pretty good percentage chance that he was going to get his first major league win. Whitey Herzog was coaching and managing. <laughs> so well, Bruce Suter struck out a guy, and Jeff Lottie streaks to the mound to congratulate Suter for saving him a victory. And that was the second out. <laughs> so Suter looked at him like what he wants and so he strolled back off the field embarrassed and then you know me I had to say Jeff when the last out is made in St. Louis they play organ music <laughs> so I stole her line a little bit but uh, well, that would be embarrassing when in front of 40,000 people run out there on the field, congratulate everybody, and everybody look around. Nobody's coming off the field. And Whitey told him, said, next time you do that, it's going to cost you. So this is a very rare thing here <clears throat> for 
John Mozalak, the Cardinals Pobo, president of baseball operations, to comment about a particular player being on the trade block. Can you can you ever remember Mozalak openly talking no. about the fact that they are shopping a player? They, no. He, and then they've also said that Stephen Matz is available. So they're putting it out there, you know, people they'd like to move. The bad thing about that is if you don't trade them, you don't get the right deal or whatever. And then it, I think it should be embarrassing that you made that statement if you're going to try to get them to play ball for you now. But he did you know, that I guess he made that statement. He's getting credit for it. He made the statement. So I, I, you know, I don't think I would do that. I, I never was good about throwing guys' names around in fifty years of coaching. I don't, I don't ever remember doing that. Not that we were trading people or anything like that, but a, a bad game, someone might have a bad game. I wouldn't. Now, Shoemate would. You coach Simo. You have a bad game for him, buddy, and he'd let the world know. Well, you've got a log jam in the outfield. Especially, first of all, if you're going to play Tommy Edmond in center field, you're not going to play him at short. But at this point, you don't know if Mason Wynn can hit. You don't know that. It's true. Can he play short? Absolutely. He'd be okay if he hit 250. You know what I mean? Um, Tommy Edmond would be okay if he hit 250. He can't hit 250. Oh, yes, he can. Edmond can. Um, but when there is no history on him yet, what he might be able to do, you know, I think I, I agree with most people that say he's going to be a two-way player. He's going to be a guy that can play good defense and also sting the ball a little bit. I think he looks pretty good when he goes to the right field and, you know, goes with the pitch. But, boy, when he tries to roll over, he looks bad. And, well, anybody look, does – doesn't look good, you know, if they're rolling over on an outside pitch. But he really looks bad. I mean, he misses pitches by foot. And, I mean, it's got to be a pitch you're very aware of. You know, guys going to go away from, especially when you have that problem. Look, at, you know, O'Neal, a lot of guys have that problem. So, so right I, now in your outfield, it is Lars Newtbar, Tommy Edmond, Jordan Walker, Dylan Carlson, Richie Palacios, I liked and, him. and Tyler O'Neill. I like Palacios. So um, that is a that is what you call <clears throat> an old-fashioned log jam. Well, you know, you usually go with four outfielders for sure, maybe five. If the Cardinals went with these outfielders, the two extra guys would be, since Edmund is the guy that really is first choice is in infield, or first, I guess, first professional part of his life has been infield. So you could count him as a two-way player. If you I go think in, the Cardinals are planning for him to be the center fielder. Well, they're going in, yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. If, what, what if Wynn goes over 50? Which, that, that's what I mean. I mean, you, then you've got to – he's got to go down. But if you keep O'Neill as a swing man – and you still got five, you know, you got five outfielders. I'll keep Dylan Carlson over O'Neill any day. If you want to go with, say, a couple extra Palacios and uh, Dylan Carlson, I'd go. I'd rather have that any day as I would getting rid of Carlson. And I'm not so sure I wouldn't do that Palacios than O'Neill. O'Neill is just to me. I'd move him any way I could. He's just not going to be available. And I don't think it's his fault. I, I, he's so tightly wound with that body, he's going to pull something. I mean, talked about it a long time ago about a guy like that's got to do maybe a third more workouts to get ready than a guy like you or me. Maybe, well, I will take me for the whole day to get ready to play an inning. But what I'm saying is he's just got to do a lot more. To get warmed up and your muscles expand, you know, whether they're real flexible. 
And then you can have an inning where you're sitting in the dugout and maybe you get three or four or five runs and you're sitting in there and it's a, maybe a cold day, you know, uh, maybe a little rain or mist and everything, you know, just one of them dreary days. And you, O'Neill sits in there and now he's losing it as far as the flexibility and he goes out there tightly wound again and all at once he's running. And then he, then he needs to stretch between innings. <laughs> He's susceptible that though more than that uh, Edmund. He only played seventy one games last year. Now he's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got an accurate throwing. Well, arc. he's a five tool player. Do you know if he's healthy? You know what the the biggest ability is? His disability. His biggest. Is that what you said? Ability. Best ability. Yes. Yeah. His best for ability. Is availability, and he's never available. Well, that's not an ability to be a, a best ability's ability, but availability, and he is not available. Yes, he's not. He does not post seventy-one no, games. No, I can't say yes. Well, what kind of trade value do you think he has? None. I mean, d- does it hurt his trade value that the Cardinals publicly say they're shopping him? I would say you could get a double A player for him, maybe. Um, Maybe a really good prospect, but he'd be in double-A or A-ball. Here's what the else? thing. Well, who's going to give you a starting player? What is what is one of the biggest criticisms about the Cardinal organization from the fan base? I think one of the biggest criticisms is they value their prospects much more. Than they're worth. Yes. So yep, they what do. we're about to find out. What do other major league teams think of Tyler O'Neill? We're about to find that out, right? Yeah, we are, because you're going to see if there's anybody sniffing around or what they can get him for. But here's the thing, too, with O'Neill is what, what might make him available to move if you're the Cardinals. Cardinals want to move him. That's what they want. They want to get him, you know, get him gone, get, try to get something for him. Is He's not making a ton of money yet. That 34 homer season a couple years ago could have propelled him into big money, especially with his speed and his gold glove and everything he had to offer to lay on the table. He's got one year of control left, and then he's a free agent after 2024. So you don't want him to hit 40 home runs. It's kind of funny how that happens, isn't it? Your walk year, oh, man, he stays healthy. Now look what he has done, 35 home runs, 40 homers. We got to sign him. And then the next year, he's back, reversed back to 70 games. So I agree with the Cardinals. If I was going to move him, I'd move him right now. If he does well next year, good for him. You know, you don't want him to fail. You want to see him do well and have a good career. But somewhere else, because he's not, I don't think he'd be a Rose Arena. I was just going to say, in the back of your mind as a Cardinal fan, you may not want the Cardinals to keep O'Neill, but in the back of your mind, are you thinking, watch us move him, and he turns and into blossom. a Dallas Perez or Randy Arozarena? Well, Rosarina. the big difference between them, them three, though, Garcia and and Arozarena fit in one category, and O'Neill fits in another. They've got three three or four years of major league experience to base on O'Neill, where they didn't with Arozarena or Garcia at all. They never put them in the big leagues except a token single game or pinch hit roll for one game. So they didn't really have any history on those two guys. But they got a lot of history on O'Neill. And I just, I agree with cards moving. And now where they, they get not, they got to be satisfied what somebody will give them. It's going to be one of them deals. Here's, here's what we'll give you. Take it or leave it. I think that's the way they'll have to it, deal with him. To me, and, you know, you can extol his track record. Two gold gloves, elite foot speed, elite power, 34 home runs, and he's done it in the major leagues. But... In terms of trade value, Jess, you, you may have to package somebody oh, with yeah. him yeah. in order to get any kind of a return. 
Well, there's rumors the Cards are interested in Jordan Hicks bringing him back, and actually Montgomery. Um, probably won't get either one of them. But if they're going to try to get a guy like Logan Gilbert or somebody like that, maybe you could get somebody to take and go back to the place he left. John Mosellock, <clears throat> one of his other quotes, we need three starting pitchers. He said that before last season ended. Right? I think he does, too. Well, he's going to expand to the media that he's gotten three starting pitchers. <clears throat> yeah, he has. But, yeah, but you've got a couple guys there that's 36, 37 years old, don't you? And Lynn and... and Gibson's 36 yeah. and Lynn turns 37. So I think you need a guy, another guy that's under 30 to be a starting pitcher. Because I don't know if Lynn... You never know when a pitcher's going to... It's just going to collapse. And I think with those two, I would probably say Gilbert. I'm not Gilbert, but uh, what, what you, Gibson would be the guy that would hang on with a good season more than Lance Lynn. I think, I think Lance Lynn's approaching his end of his career. Now, I know he did well with the Dodgers. And, you know, he was 72 with the Dodgers, I think. But didn't, you know, he gives up so many home runs. Now, Bush will help him. Because it's not an easy place to hit homers, but uh, he's still going to give up 30, 35 if he pitches all year. So I I, I would rather see somebody else in that role. I'd rather see Michael Walker in that role and Lance Lee and not if it's my team. But And Walker could be gotten for the same money, I'll bet. Somewhere near that. Didn't Walker make about seven this past year? And Lynn's going to make 11? <clears throat> you might have got Walker to... <clears throat> even if it's just a one-year contract. But evidently, they are not interested in him. I've never heard any rumors about Walker coming to the cards. Have you? I've heard Jordan Hicks, maybe Montgomery. They won't get Montgomery. Didn't you say... That Montgomery's, uh, who did you say that his agent is? Boris? Um, I believe his agent is Scott Boris. Well, they won't get him then. You know, um, best chance Cardinals had of keeping him was when they first got him, renegotiate another two or three years on his contract. But no, they didn't do that. <clears throat> so... I would like to see him get another starter because I'd see one of them collapsing in that rotation. Boris is Jordan Montgomery's agent. <clears throat> well, then I would rule him out, wouldn't you? Can't see it happening. Now, they've had guys that Boris was his agent. I think J.D. Drew's agent was Boris. But that was a long time ago. Kyle Loesch's agent, Boris? It might have been. I don't remember. I think it was one of the few times that he did not wait forever to get a contract signed. Oh, he's the agent that will let you set out 15 games. $6.5 million is what Waka earned last year. So he had options. And the San Diego Padres just flat out declined the option of Michael Waka. Seems like you just want former Cardinals. Jordan Hicks, Jordan Montgomery, Michael Waka. I want former Cardinals. Boy, those are the guys you're mentioning. No, I I wouldn't I don't care if Jordan Hicks comes back or not. Because he's one of those guys that you get to build some faith in him and he comes out and walks the first two in a one run game, so he got better at that. Yeah, he did. But, I mean, I'm okay if they don't get him. If, if they get him, fine. I mean, I, he's okay. Montgomery would be a much, much better landing than Jordan Hicks. I just kind of have a sneaking suspicion. They are not going to sign a free agent starting pitcher. If they get another starting another, what pitcher. Another you mean? No, if, I don't. If they think get they a starting either. pitcher, I think it's going to come via a trade. I, 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 agree. I can't prove that. 
I agree. Well, you know, they got some people they'd like to move. Cardinals do. And some people's going to raise their eyebrows when they do, you know. But, you know, like you said a while ago, they overrate some of their prospects as far as I'm concerned. Now, did they overrate Rose Arena and Garcia? <laughs> Absolutely not. They underrated them. So Why did they trade a Rosarena? I have no clue. So Harrison Bader could be your guy. What happened to Bader? They got rid of him. And he also, you know, that meeting, you know, with Shelton in the clubhouse where he recorded it, didn't he, or something? Right. Yeah, and that Shilt drives a know, couple of F-bombs. But, you know, this guy is from another country. And from... These guys come in, like Garcia is too, imagine, from Cuba or, you know, I, I don't know where they're from, but they don't know the American culture. They don't know what's right and what's wrong considered in this country. So don't you have to overlook that he made a mistake in the clubhouse? And But the Cardinals, I think that's a big reason why they moved him. And if I'm correct, Rosarina, when he come up to the cards, he was having a tremendous year in AAA. wasn't like he just got a free ticket up there to get a look for just to see before you drop him. He was hitting like three twenty two with speed and power. Cards bring him up. I remember they played him, started him one game that I remember. I think he got a couple hits in that game and threw a guy out at third. But that's it. He didn't get started next day, and next day here he's traded. So. I don't know how you miss on a guy that, in other words, some people, it amazes me at the rating in big leagues. You can have a guy that can run well, he's hitting 280 and AAA, bring him up. Boy, he gets a chance. He gets to go in there for 10, 20 games. And you have another guy on the same team down there at Memphis that's hitting 322 and more speed and better defender and everything else. You bring him up and he can't get in there. In other words, you don't believe what he did compared to the other guy on the same team, facing the same pitchers. I never understood that one, I don't think. And Cardinals, are, I think Cardinals are guilty of that. I don't know what Garcia did in AAA, but Rosarina, the year he came up, I think he was having a tremendous year at AAA. Now, Garcia may have too. I don't know. But, boy, he's he's a... Power hitter, Garcia, and a pretty good outfielder with a great arm. Rosarina, I don't think, has the arm that Garcia does, but Rosarina's a good defender. But I agree that the Cards will trade for another pitcher. Now, whether it be a guy can go in rotation or a relief pitcher, don't know. But they still need more work done. On the pitching staff. And let's start with a new pitching coach also. Speaking of coaches, the Cardinals have entered into an agreement with Yadier Molina. Now, Molina, upon doing an interview <clears throat> just a few days ago, referred to his billet with the Cardinals, as a special advisor, meaning he'll show up for spring training. John Mosellac addressed this yesterday, that he has the flexibility to go home to Puerto Rico and be with his family. So they are not bringing him on on a full-time basis. What is the deal? I don't, well, I think the deal is Molina. Molina made a statement, I think, I don't know whether they heard the MLB or what, but that it was personal reasons. So maybe his family, he's got, you know, his family needs him worse than the Cardinals do. But he also made the statement he would like to manage. So let's give Marmol one more year and give Yachty a shot. Or let's just go Yachty now. An undefined <clears throat> role is how John Mosellek explained it. And Molina referred to being a special advisor. But those words 
did not come out of Mosaic's mouth. Those came from Molina. Yeah, I think they got an agreement that Molina's going to join the Cardinals, I think, whether it's full-time this year or next. I could see Molina being the Cardinal manager. Can you? Marmol stumbles. Let's see, in the first part of June, the Cardinals are wavering around, messing around. I can see the Cardinals going to Molina right then. I think Molina got a good chance to be the next Cardinal manager. And I wouldn't have any problem with that. He's a smart guy that knows pitching inside and out. He knows the catching position. He could, if you got a young catcher like Marrero, her, no, I mean Herrera, that you want to tutor, he would be the guy that could really help him a lot. Yachty's the guy that used the whole field as a hitter. I mean, he's a guy that you could make the hitting coach. You you could make the hitting, make the pitching coach. You could make the bench coach. Or you could make the manager. I would be okay with him in any of those roles. But I wouldn't let him get away like they did Schumacher. Go to another club because they'd offered him a position. The Cardinals wouldn't do it. How about Chris Carpenter? Yeah. He's working for another ball club. Why is he not working for the Cardinals? Yeah, and I don't want Rain, Wainwright to be that guy either. Now, Wayne, oh, is going to go in the booth, probably, and that's a good career. But you lost Schumacher, you lost Carpenter. That's not you lose Yachty also to another team because that's that's knowledge. Carpenter would be how how much better pitching coach would he be the Cardinals? Than the one they got. Twice as good. He knows the, how to pitch. He knows how to set up hitters. He knows how to intimidate hitters. He's the guy now. Sometimes they say like Bob Gibson, for instance, he's pitching coaches of Atlanta Braves for a while. He wasn't a good pitching coach. He couldn't relate to why people couldn't do this. And that's why big league stars usually don't make good managers. The guys that it came easy to, like Barry Bonds. It came easy to him, step in the batter's box, do what he did. They can't understand how somebody else can be struggling. And, you know, it's just something there. Most managers, good managers, are ex-catchers. You don't see a lot of pitchers that's managers in big leagues either. Um, but Bud Black, is, is, is there anybody but him? The major mm. league pitcher that's a manager? I just can't think of him. You can think of a lot of catchers position players, but I just, and superstars don't make good managers. It's that guy that has to file his spikes, has to scratch and claw to get in the lineup, has to do everything he can to hit 280. That's the guy that makes a good manager. Schumacher fits that role. Part-time player, had to move in on the infield. Um, he knows what it is to do the extra work to stay in the big leagues. And that, those guys make good managers. Well, if you're Yadier Molina, he's a former pitcher. Where did he pitch at? Legion Ball? He pitched an inning two years ago. Oh, yeah. So did Albert. <coughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> the major league pitcher. Yes, I remember. So uh -huh. the way that it's phrased with Molina's role. Katie Wu reported this, that Yachty will be part of the Cards organization next year. John Mozalak said that's the case, but his actual role is not finalized. Yachty will not be on the major league coaching staff full-time as he has family priorities in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's kind so of that's what kind I of, kind of, about. kind of vague. Yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about when it's, personal reasons. And when you talk about former catchers making good managers or just being managers, obviously Bruce Bochy is the one that comes to mind, but a former catcher named Jim Leland, Jess, was just elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And remember Sosie, the Dodgers? Mike Sosia. Um There's a lot of there's one more, too. I was trying to think of um, Mike, one call for Houston. Mike Matheny. Mike Matheny. And also the one that called for Houston at the same time. Brad Osmus. Osmus. And he managed it somewhere. 
Uh, he he did manage. He might have managed. Fired. Yeah, he yeah. got. I think he got fired with the. But I'd say if I had to guess Tiger. how many what position manages most in the major leagues, I'd say catcher'd have to be one of them that you'd mention. Yeah, Jim Leland's going in the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure Tony Larusa's happy because that's one of his best friends, and that's one of the people that Larusa always looked up to. And said he would call him, you know, to get a little advice and this and that. So everybody needs somebody that you trust and is always looking out for your welfare. And I think Jim Leland was that kind of guy, mentor type of guy to La Russa. And Jim Leland had a pretty good major league career managing. Over 1,700 wins, a World <laughs> Series with the Marlins. He was voted in by the contempor- er, for the contemporary era. Here is Leland after he found out he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, to be inducted into Cooperstown the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, it's the higher, the honest, highest honor you can get in our business, and I'm just thrilled, excited, surprised, flattered. All those words... Uh, come into play when you think about this. So uh, very excited about it and uh, very happy evening for me and my family. Do you, now, from what we understand, he has not decided what insignia will be on his cap, but he may, yeah, go, he's got a few. He may go the Tony LaRusso route <clears throat> and just have a blank hat. I didn't did, know LaRusso did, did that. Yeah, he did not want to offend well, any LaRusso, of the teams. Well, LaRusso, you think it could be Oakland, it could be the White Sox, it could be the Cardinals. I don't know about Leland. I know he managed the Pirates. Gosh, I can't think of all the teams. Pirates, Marlins, Tigers. Okay, I knew he managed the Tigers, but I didn't remember And he was Marlins. a special advisor with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I remember that. So he actually did draw a paycheck from the Cardinals. So, Leland, Jess, on the on the plaque, if he does not have a logo on it, will he be the first member of the Hall of Fame to have a cigarette on his plaque? <laughs> he would go down in the tunnel and fire up darts during games. I imagine there's a lot of guys. Ever seen camera shots of him firing up a dart in the in the tunnel in the dugout? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's probably a lot of guys that did that, but he he's known for doing it. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm glad Jim Leland got in. I am too. I've always liked. He's a good Leland. guy. A good man. Well respected by athletes. You can go when you talk about managers or basketball coaches, college football coaches, or whatever. If the players really like that person, usually it's one or both things or two, one or two things. They either respect him as what he knows about the game or they really like him as a person and knowing that, you know, he may not know as much about the game as somebody else they know, but it's got probably one of those two things. Now, it's great if they like you and also respect you for what you know, which a lot of guys get that kind of respect. No. <clears throat> Doc Yowley, my old baseball coach here in town, he's got that kind of respect. Kids always liked him, and they respected him for what he knew about the game. And so, but not a lot of guys have that in big leagues or anywhere. So do you think one of the reasons that Yadier Molina is not... Well, I'll ask you this after the break. Uh, one of the reasons that Yadier Molina is not going to be full-time, let's see if Jess agrees or disagrees that this is a possibility. Talk about it when we come back. The Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN. It's a sports huddle, SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at You've uh, done any of your Christmas shopping yet? Oh, boy. Um, you know, Christmas shopping to me is tough. I don't like to shop on things I really need. 
for me to go out and shop for other people, trying to figure out what they would want, it's always been a tough job. Now, I bought some gift certificates already, and I kind of got them targeted. That's not much of a gift, but for some people I know, it's okay, you know. But um, My kids, they want gift cards. Yeah, uh, especially when kids become a late teenager, you know, 16 to 20. They don't want a bow wrapped around the present, you know. And you can't, it's hard to buy clothes for anybody. You know, Which is why you get them a gift card. They, get, they exactly. pick, out, pick out what they so want. So if you want to say, well, have you done any shopping? Well, yeah. Cracker Barrel had gift cards they'd sell and stuff like that. Uh, you know, but, um, and I, I think gift cards for adults, I think it used to offend people because they say you didn't put much thought into that, you know. But now I think it's accepted pretty well. You know, gift cards, especially if you get one. I know I bought my daughter, Kim, one at a clothing store that she loves. She she buys her clothes there and stuff. So that this one, that's a good card. I mean, you know, that's where she likes to shop. But I think they're the best gifts. Well, <laughs> I say they're easiest. You can't give kids, though, gift cards. No. They got to be they, open. You got to get them toys. They got to be they open get, They get to an age where they advance exactly. past that, and gift cards are the deal. Well, it's easier in my family. You just didn't get anything. I didn't get presents at Christmas time. Uh, maybe one. See, I've already, I've already got <laughs> at least three for Don Sean. Yeah, you can't get one anymore either. No. Even for kids, you know, you you give them one gift, they look around and say, where's the rest, you know? But uh, I remember one time I got a, a one sock when I was young as Christmas present. And she said, Jim's got the other one. <laughs> it's kind of a spoof present. But uh, I didn't expect anything for Christmas. Here's but, the, here's uh, but the move. But we did. Don't get me wrong. We did. I, I got, remember getting basketballs. And baseballs and bats and stuff they knew I loved. Uh, so I'm not going to stand here and paint a picture that it's not true. Here's the move. First of all, if you're a parent and you've got kids, one of the big moves is, okay, you, you don't want to act up because Santa will get a text <laughs> that message. didn't work at our house. <laughs> so if that doesn't work, the other move is... You wrap some presents to put under the tree, but there's nothing in the box, okay? But you wrap it up, and when they act up, you toss one in the fireplace. You know how quickly things turn around? Oh, yeah. You know how quickly things turn around? That's okay, not a bad keep idea. Asking, Here we go, right that's in the fireplace. That's not a bad idea at are, you all. Gonna, are you going to keep it up? Yeah. Because we can go with more. Well, listen, now, you've known me a long time. When I was 12... 10, 12 years old, or even eight. Did you think that theory would work with me? <laughs> I, I acted up plenty. <laughs> I got to admit it. I was, um, I wouldn't say wild, but I was pretty active. <laughs> so it was a different time. You know, our, our big thing with so many people in the family, nine kids, was the big thing for Christmas was all the people that was adults, and I think I was an adult at 16, at least I got responsibilities as being one, uh, was the get-together of the family. You know, Mom would always make ground-up bologna and put pickles and, and all that stuff in mayonnaise and eggs and stuff like that, and it was good. She'd make a tub load of sandwiches, chips, stuff like that. We'd sit around, drink coffee, and talk, and that, that was the big thing for us at Christmas. And little kids would get presents. Big kids, you wouldn't get anything. But we didn't need anything, you know. Always the kind of person, I don't I don't really need a gift. If I need some, I'll go get it. But the thought's always nice, you know, and stuff. And, and I'm, I, I get a lot of gift certificates for presents, which I, I, I don't get offended. I mean, I'm if somebody gives me a gift certificate See, for I've a given place you, to eat I've or given something. you lots of gift cards over the years. Yeah. But when Don Sean steps in, as far as the gifts go, 
she personalizes it more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you've gotten regular gifts, it's because Dawn Sean stepped well, in and like said, Well, just like the book you guys gave gonna... me. She writes in it. Right. You don't. I Men don't have a clue what to, what to do as far as uh, human behavior when you're talking about being soft and courteous and kind and all this kind of thing. It's always a woman. Let's be honest. We don't know anything. Women are just simply more thoughtful than guys are. Now, we get a Hey, we get a point here every once in a while because we'll send her flowers or we'll be nice, you know, for that moment. But it's about 80-20. Women are more thoughtful. They buy better gifts. They want to give a gift instead of a card. Um, Why do you hate the male species? I'm just honest. You're not because I'm I'm totally honest. Well, if I'm going to—you know, one time I did a commercial for uh, for Southeast Missouri— TV commercial advertising. They wanted a bunch of mail uh, uh, paper delivery boys that actually worked at the Missouri when we were kids to make the commercial as many of them as they could get. It was like six people made that commercial, and they ran it a lot of times because Missouri was have a having a type change on their paper. The typing, you know, was going to be different. And he was advertising that part of it and the Missouri newspaper. And I didn't, I didn't, never saw the advertising with me on there. But you remember John? John Rust? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was down, walking down Broadway one time, me and Mary, and, and we stand there talking. And he's, I told him I never saw it. And he said, oh, it ran a lot of times. He said, in fact, we did a survey on which person did the best job on the, you know, was most popular on the commercial. And he said, you didn't win. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, you didn't come in first. He said, but you were overwhelming first with women. I said, well, then I won. <laughs> I don't care what a guy thinks. Give me what a woman thinks. And uh, So do you think Yadier Molina is not coming on on a full-time basis because two two options. First of all, he wants flexibility and may not want to commit the time, although if he wants to become a manager, that's going to be an issue. Or is there a possibility, I'm not working for Ali Marmol. <clears throat> I don't think this guy is big league ready to be a manager you know but it I, seemed like they got along really well yeah, when he played for yeah Marmol. i think they did too I, could it involve working with marmal absolutely that's what i think it's not that um you don't like marmal i think they got along okay and it's okay because he didn't he didn't do anything to yachty besides put him in lineup and play him when he could you know when yachty felt like it but I think Yachty knows more about the game than Marmol. And um, I think to work under him and and have him to be the leader. Do you think there's anyone outside of the Marmol family that truly, if you said, who knows the game better, Oliver Marmol or Yachty or Mol- Do you think anyone thinks that Marmol knows more about the game I, I don't know how they than could. Molina? I don't know how they could, but... Uh, it's just like Skip Schumacher. When he became the bench coach of the Cardinals for Marmol, I said the wrong guy is the bench coach. Marmol, of course, Marmol served a little time under Shield as bench coach. And I'm not saying he's not qualified. I'm just saying as a manager, there's so many different areas that you've got to handle. And I think Marmol does okay with some of them. And I'm not talking about hitters or lineup cards but i am talking about handling the pitching staff that's the toughest thing is the man for managers handling the pitching staff now they got such great pitching coaches in the big leagues except the cardinals when when you had maddox that's a good pitching coach and what happened to maddox yeah he left worked with marmol i'm out of here yeah so i'm i don't want to bad mouth marmol because i don't know him but uh judging him as a baseball man 
I think Skip Schumacher would have been better. I think Yachty would be better. There's a lot of guys out there have been better. Bochy would have been better. I think a lot of guys they could have picked. But they want to stay in the organization. And the biggest thing with the Cardinals, and I don't know if Yachty put up with this, is they have to run the team on the field from the office. I know I wouldn't be good with the Cardinals because I tell you, I, you know, I think I know the game. And if I was managing the Cardinals and Mosaic come down there and told me who I had to put in the lineup and give me a little batting order, I'd say, you know what? You got a job and I got a job. When they come on this field, I'm, I'm the guy. Because I'm going to get fired for things I do. That's going to be the ending of this story. When Mosaic took over. LaRusso was already in place, extremely popular, winning manager, old school, had tons of control within the organization. Once LaRusso left, and I can't prove it, it's just I believe it, I am never hiring a manager like LaRusso again. We are hiring someone I can control. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Because there's n- he Russa, could not control. No, you're not going to control him. LaRusa. You couldn't control Bochy. The only thing that he could control was like when he traded Chris Duncan because LaRusa kept putting Duncan in the lineup and finally Mosaic just took him away yeah. because you know Mosaic had the conversation with LaRusa. Why are you playing Duncan incessantly? And so he traded him. I think you have And a, it angered LaRusa. As a GM, though, you have that right sure to you ask do. a manager, why is he in the lineup all the time? Now, Mo, Duncan, let's be honest, he did hit 22 home runs yes, he did. there. But he was a gazelle out in the outfield. You never knew if he could catch a pop fly, hit right to him. He was terrible. One of the best, worst outfielders I ever saw in my life. If today's world is a DH, he may be a, very acceptable to have on your team because he's pretty good left-handed hitter with par. But he's Mosaic had the right to do question you on this. I, that wouldn't bother me either if I was managing Cardinals. What would bother me is come down and telling you this guy needs to be in the lineup more, so start putting him in there, or this guy needs a bat third. And we know? we can't prove it, but everyone suspects those conversations happen oh, with Mosaic and Marmol. So. Look at who they they hired. Matheny never had a coaching job in his life. Schilt. And was he ever a manager anywhere besides the Cardinals? Minor leagues. Marmol never had a manager job in his life it's in big leagues before they hired him. They always want puppets. Now, if they hire Molina, same story. And the last two never played big league baseball. Yeah. I don't think that's a necessity. No. The Dodgers, but... Dodgers used to have a manager that never played in major leagues either. I don't remember who it was. Uh, it was the year the Cards won uh, the, against the Dodgers because that's one of them years. It's fluke years where they celebrated like we did in Wichita. You know, always the losing team would stay out there and shake hands with you and stuff like that, trying something new, I guess. It won't work with Molina, I'm going to tell you now, if the interference comes from the front office, if he's managing. He will be in charge, I think. And I think that might be something the Cardinals might be shy to bring him in I don't think he'd have that problem with him as a coach, but I think they would as a manager, and I think they know that that he's gonna we're gonna have to make a little change here if he becomes a manager because he's gonna be running the show, and I'd be totally surprised if Yachty would be a puppet to them like Matheny, Marmol, people like that. Well, Shield wasn't he, that way. Molina hated talking to the media. Rarely did he talk to the media. That is a massive part. Of being a major league manager. Sure it is. Now, Marmol does that he a lot better. He has daily press conferences, multiple press conferences. He has to have that. It's what Marmol does. Exactly. It's what major league managers do. That is not something and that's a that appeals job. to Molina. That's a tough job, Harry, uh, to go in 10 minutes after the game ends and sit down here a bunch of critical guys that don't that, – <laughs> I hate to say didn't ever play the game, but a lot of reporters don't understand the reasoning, and they got a right to ask it. Don't get me wrong. They should be able to ask you anything they want to. That's their job. But to go in and answer a question, it 
you've got to have a certain personality to get that done day in, day out, like they do in the big leagues. In the, the last, two- I'm not saying I'd have trouble with it, but I could see myself maybe being a little tart with somebody. I could see that happening. The last three managers for the Cardinals, post game press conferences were not must see TV. When Larusa was the manager, were. it was must see TV. <laughs> Man, when Bernie Miklas got yes. up out of his chair, it was must see. Bernie TV. about had enough of Tony Larusa's sarcasm, and I didn't like Tony Larusa's post game interviews either. As far as he was very condescending to the media. Yes, yes. he was. All right, Jess. Uh, hello to the lovely and talented uh, Dawn Sean. She's tuned into the sports huddle today. She's got a day off today. So. Well, hello to her. Um, hope she has a great day. She deserves it. Those people on the front lines, and she was during the COVID. Man, it was a tough time for all of us, and they were the person, people that did the most. So I want to say hi to my girls, too, down in Texas. Michelle, Columbia, Kim, Jackson, Jess, and Tom. They're my four young'uns, and I love them dearly. How about this one to the end of the day? You know how I feel about kindness. You can go out there and be kind to anybody. What wisdom can you find that is greater than kindness? Jean Rousseau wrote that. Not me, but she wrote it. I could have wrote that because that's the way I feel. Be kind to somebody. Make somebody smile today. Jess, reconvene tomorrow. Uh, that's hump day. So All I right. Guess we'll give it a shot. We'll be here for hump day. SEMO basketball tomorrow. Women on the road, men at home. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Stay tuned. Greeny is up next. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody.